0: Morning. Wow, I'm hot. There you go. I want to start off our second installment of the identity. Who am I? I am a masterpiece. Can I? I want everyone to say that. Say, I am am. a masterpiece. masterpiece. I am am. a masterpiece. Now I want you to say it with some soul. Okay. (laughs) Say, I am am. (laughs) a masterpiece. All right, see, y'all got the head going now. You ready one more time? I am a masterpiece. Let's share a scripture. That's exactly what we're talking about this morning. I am a masterpiece. You saw Psalms 139, and we're going to go through that. Um, Today I hope that you'll be encouraged and know how valuable but how special and unique you are to God and that he has never uh, made mistakes you're not a mistake. You're not nothing left over. And I hope this explains this, this today. You have a revelation how valuable you are, as Alan said, about being that jewel that God is forming and shaping. Now it's an amazing word, Alan. Alan and Lindsay are amazing, aren't they? Give them a hand. Amazing destiny on them. He doesn't even know how much destiny is on them, both of them. i tell you. I'll tell you after service. I got something to tell you. <laughs> Can we go to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8 through 10? I'm going to use the ESV version today. Um, whatever version that you have is okay. The ESV is the one I use. I use a Bible version. I go through a whole version of the Bible in one year. And starting in January, I'm going to pick up a new um, session. I don't know which one yet, a new version of the Bible. I'm not sure yet, but I love the ESV, the way it speaks. Are we ready? Here we go. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, this moment in time. We thank you for your spirit. Father, I ask today that you will communicate discernment, but most of all, revelation to those who need to hear it today, God. Father, let me decrease while you increase today. Help us to grasp everything that's going to be spoken today. Help us to leave here in awe and wonder and how powerful powerful you truly are. And Father, we just thank you for this moment. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, main reason why I started in verse 8, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, because I want to to clarify something. We weren't saved by works. We were saved for good works. Amen? It's not by works. So we cannot take credit from it. When you read Ephesians 2, all the way up, it says we were dead and doomed. You can't get no worse than that, dead and doomed. But God, in his infinite mercy and love, raised us up and grabbed us through the the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we've been saved for good works, to do good works which were prepared ahead of time. So I want to let you know when you hear that, don't fall into the works mentality. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know anything about good works. But if you know Jesus Christ... You know, we'll talk to you about good works. But if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, you have an opportunity at the end of the service to make him your Lord and Savior. Because you're missing out on so much that God has for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us has a plan that God has set way before. But the only way to find that out is to get with the creator himself. So he can show you what your destiny is in him. And make a difference here in the earth. I love this. So you get when I say all that, I'm setting it up. Salvation is not the end. It's only the beginning. We don't get into the mentality because I was born again. I just rest and wait to go to heaven. No, there's things for us to do. Special things for each and every one of us to do. And I love this. Good works are not only good, but they are prepared beforehand. God has set some things in motion in each and every one of our lives. Each and every one. when I look at you, just a blueprint that God spread out way before your mom and dad even came together. Had a plan for you to do some great things, good things, here on the earth to make a difference. Wow. What a responsibility. But what an amazing God that he could just do it. He's so powerful he can do it from heaven. But he decided to use each In every one of us. You see, when you know that you have a destiny, you have a purpose, life becomes ordered. But when you don't know that, you just walk around experimenting. You live a life of experiment. I'll try this, I'll try that. And God holds all the answers. And that is an amazing story. The word workmanship means, uh, if you have the NLT, it says masterpiece. Also, in the Greek, there's a word that talks about poem, that's well, a poetic picture of God. But here's some of the words I put superb artistry, a handiwork, a tapestry, the works of God as creator. And here's the amazing thing we are God's good work. See, in Genesis, when he finished creating all the things, he sat back on the seventh day and said, That's very good. You know when it became very good? When we entered the picture. So you're all God's good work. And he calls us to have good works. I don't want anyone or you to listen. I don't care what your upbringing was like. Don't anyone tell you you're a mistake. And some of you heard this. You weren't planned. That's a curse over you. You are not a mistake. And sometimes we don't understand how God does things. I had to learn this growing up. But he does it to get his purposes across in us. But one thing you got to recognize, you're so valuable. Man, you are so valuable. And I'm going to talk to you about that. Let's go to Psalms 139, how it all spells out. This is the Psalm of David, starting in verse 13 through 16. He says, for you were formed in my inward parts. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. And this is David recognizing Who God is and orchestrating everything in his life. I love the book. I love that uh, scripture, 139, the whole passage. Because it talks about, I can't go anywhere without you knowing it. I can't say a word without you knowing it. I can't lay down without you knowing it and ordaining it. And then he goes into this powerful thing here, which is oh, just amazing. He says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Which means, when you look at it, it means distinct. Distinguished, set apart. You are set apart. And then also the last word, wonderful. You're distinct. Distinguished means very important. There's no one like you. You ever hear that? When God created you, he broke the mold. (laughs) Well, check it out. That's a true statement. He broke the mold. There's no one like you. No one can do what you do. No one was recreated like you. We're all distinct. There's not two Richards running around. There may be some wannabes. Now, I'm talking about my swag. You know what I'm talking about? But there's only one Richard. There's only one of you. Only one of you. And this kills the abortion um, debate. It says this, before our first breath, God had already formed our days. Before you were even brave, God had your blueprint out. Number so-and-so is going to be here. And he laid it out, laid out a blueprint of who he wants you to be. Man. In America, I go to California every one. we go to California every six months. It's amazing now, every two blocks is a psychic trying to tell you what's going to happen next. And they get it all wrong. Because the one that truly is going to tell you what's going to happen next is our Heavenly Father who created us. Before our first breath, he already formed our days. You sitting here this morning, he already knew you were going to be here on this day. At Grace Point Church getting yelled at, but an African-American man with an attitude, (laughs) swagger. He knew it. He knew I was going to be my wife. He knew it. I knew it too. (laughs) See? That's what the world calls that? luck. And Christian, as believers, we call it destiny. Destiny. And I wanted to really encourage you that you do not disdain your design. World's full. I've been reading something about all the plastic surgery that's going on and people not happy who they are. And I remember a show in 2004 called The Swan and the ladies competed to be the ugly, ugliest person on the show. And they had these team, what they call experts, of counselors and surgeons and all that that get cut on. The problem is, you look in the mirror now and you don't love your you don't know who you are. It doesn't matter what happens on the outside of you. Right. 10 years from you, you're going to be looking in the mirror I still don't like who I am so you're going to go get cut again. Yep. And what are you are doing is cuz I remember the staying my upbringing and the staying my life. And there's a scripture that God showed me in, in Romans 9 verse 20. Because it says, "He is the potter and we are the clay and he is forming our lives." the way he desires us to do it. Now, a lot of times, we do not understand what he's doing. I didn't. But we see it at the end. He always has a great purpose at the end. And when I was disdaining who I was and, and, and debating why is this and why is that and having all these issues, this scripture resonated in me. It says, but who are you, old man, to answer back to God? Well, that what is molded Say to its molder, why have you made me like this? We're telling God, why did you create me like this? Like he doesn't know what he's doing. Don't disdain who you are, your design, because you're special. Last week we talked about your ambassadors. This week you're a masterpiece. You're special. Only you can do what God called you to do. I could easily have sustained my life growing up. But I saw that God has a a marvelous plan to put me where I am today. It's amazing. As a young man, a baby. You know my biological parents? They were drug addicts and thieves. And I was born in prison. Addicted. Addicted to drugs, gone into the foster agency, put in the system, went to my first home as a young man, as a baby. They kept me seven days because I was too dark and brought me back. I got placed at 13 months old, so you know that story about being separated from your natural mother got placed in a home 13 months old with a family and I, always grew, I was growing up I said well, no one looks like me and dad you look like alan and mom you look like me as far as the skin color what is going on and i remember going to see my real grandmother my real sisters and in an agency where you go and you, you say how you doing and that's when I remember the reason why I have such a fear of dentists because when I was getting my teeth done they didn't have no I'm serious. Well you that was your tooth. And you smell smoke? That was you. They <laughs> have oh sorry, you want another shot? There's no shot. They held you down. Yeah, oh yeah. And I remember as a young child, I couldn't sit straight, Straight kept doing this. I was getting sugar tubes, um, um, cubes to get me off the heroin. And I couldn't hold my head up. And my mother used to take me in the, li- in the kitchen, take care of me. She's the only one that talked, spoke destiny to me. And she had cancer. And when they found out she had cancer, the agency wanted to take me and put me back in the system. And she would not let them. I remember them hiding me when they came for visits. She would take me from one house. Where am I going? You're going to your sister's house. Okay. And take a couple, a bag too? Okay. I'm hiding. (laughs) What's going on? You're a fugitive. (laughs) So I'm gone, you know. I'm like, wow. It never made sense to me. But I grew up in such a beautiful home. Seven sisters, four sisters, and one brother. I didn't know anything until I was 13 years old. They told me that because my biological mother passed away from respiratory infection. And my biological dad signed me away. So they told me that when I was 13. They told me, you have in the tendencies for drugs and you're gonna, don't worry about it, that's normal, you're going to do this, don't worry, you'll, just, you'll make it through as a young man. Then they took me in and showed me, you know, the ink blots. This, what does that look like? Look like a butterfly, you know? What is this one? It looks like a butterfly. So I figured if I keep saying the same thing, they'll get me out of the room. Because, <laughs> you know, what do you do at 13? So I went to school. 14, 15, 14. I was, you know, taken away for a little while. They said I was going to summer camp. With my bags packed, I said they put me in jail. So I called my dad. It was the first time I ever saw my dad show up and say, he's mine. I said, come on, dad. And then 15, I'm in high school. I ain't going to tell you how old I am. A junior, 1974. Between 71 and 73, everyone I knew, his aunt, uncle, passed away. Now, I lost track of my, uh, maternal grandma, my uh, biological grandmother and my sisters. I have a little brother. I have no idea who he is. Okay. So I go here. Fifteen. Mom, my mother, every time she, I knew she had cancer, she kept saying this. She kept saying, um, boy, I said, she would say, I'm going to Bermuda. I'm going here. I said, can I go with you? Can I go with you? Because I want to go. I'm the last, you know. No, son, you're going to travel the world. She's my first Sunday school teacher told me about Jesus. You're gonna travel, you're gonna do more traveling than you ever know. So came Mom, I said, I'd like to go to Bermuda. And 15, went to school, came back, she passed away. Dad came out, your mother's gone. Went for a transfusion, never came back, cause she just decided she wasn't gonna get any more surgeries. Came back. Went to the funeral, the youngest one, everyone's fighting, long story. Go to school. Six months later, my dad dies. I found him in a chair. So I'm like, what now? I'm living by, my, I'm by myself, this whole house. Everybody's fighting for stuff. No one's fighting for me. And we split up. Everyone splits up. And I remember still going to school and living in that house for about six months. Just trying to just check out. Because my story was, God, if you love me, man. This was my story, my, my saying. God, if you love me, why is everyone I know dying and leaving me? What is going on? Am I worthless too? Sure. I, I believe that. He never said that. But I believed it. So I cursed him and, and tried to make it through high school, tried to make it through going to work. Went to college for six months, took the money, bought a car. The rest is history. <laughs> you know, that's what you do when you're young. Wasn't going to live with my sister, so I lived by myself. 17-year-old living by himself in an apartment. With no per- didn't have felt he had any purpose. Had nothing. In between all that, the road maps that I saw God take me was getting me prepared. Because when I read this, 139, guys? Everyone has a story. When you read Psalms 139, you can put yourself in that story. God saw me as being unformed, though I might have been in a prison cell, though I might have been drug addicted, he saw a masterpiece that he was preparing to do things today. As long as I didn't try to check myself out. Yeah. And I tried. Boy, I, was tr- I tried. And you can see, when you hear read one third now, you can see the goalpost of destiny. Every te- step you take. Oh, that was a head-on collision. I shouldn't be here. Oh, a guy took a sawed-off shotgun and clicked it and, sh- and pulled the trigger on my head. It didn't go off. Now, I'm here for a reason. Went through busing as a young man. Went to a school where no one looked like me. Grew up in the world, you know, in all these neighborhoods. Why? Because God said, I'm going to make a reconciler. When you read 139, before I even breathe, he already knows what I'm going to be doing next week. And I recognize how good God was and where he was at. He was there when the death happened. He was there when I walked out. He was there when I met him. He's always going to be there and he's orchestrating, and he's putting it together, and he's forming something, he's forming a man. He's forming a champion. That's you guys. He's forming, you're in the middle of something right now. He's forming something, because my next point is, God uses everything in our lives to bring about his purpose. It's the story of Joseph. Joseph, the the young man, 17 years old, had a dream. Next thing you know, his brother puts him in a pit. Dreamer. Let's kill him. He gets sold. To who? His cousins. Distant cousins. They didn't even know it. See how God's orchestrating some things? 13 years from going to Parvis' house, from the pit to Parvis' house, to the palace. 13 years. He was 17 years old. And then you come to this last part of the, of the story. This is from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. You need to read it because all of us are Josephs. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. I mean, listen to that. He said he's talking to his brothers. Yeah, you might have done something, but God used it for good. So many people can be touched. The reason why some of you are going through some things, so many people can be touched on the other side of it. My job is to tell you that you can make it. You don't check out. I didn't check out. So you can go ahead and do greater things. That's why he did it. Before Joseph had his brothers bow for him, he had to learn how to bow before God. And your downtime is your prep time. And when he sets you on the course, he is preparing every single thing, the good and the bad. And he taught me one thing in the story of Joseph. He taught me about the power of forgiveness. Because I had to forgive everybody who either did wrong I had to even forgive God. I was offended with God because of my life. I don't want to hear no one say, I just can't do it. Here's the key. You don't want to do it. Because if you don't do it, you'll miss the plan and destiny for your lives. Each and every one of you have a plan, a destiny in your life, but you have to receive it and walk it out. A lot of us have been playing with it. I go to church. I go. To, that's great to go to church. Do you plug into the church? Do you serve God? Do you grow in God? Do you grow with people? Because you know where you find your destiny? You find it in God's peop- in God's house with God's people. When you find your people, you find your destiny. But you can't just plug in because you're missing so much, so much that God wants to do. And you're plugged into a place here, guys. Grace Point Church has a destiny on his life you have never, you can imagine. Look around. Just read the other day. A multi-ethnic church is still foreign today in the 21st century. We're rare air here. We're rare. Cause know why? Because we're unique. Because we're all unique individually. And then when we come together, we're unique corporately. This is where we get Romans 828. Because we party on that. Everything works together. Let me give you some clarification on that. And we know that though for those who love God, all things oh we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Next, for those whom He foreknew, that word again. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He may be the firstborn among many brothers the word that you see good in there, we think it means comfort. It actually means conformity. And can I be real with you? Conformity hurts. Yes. Conformity, we don't understand. But when he's putting things together, we're being conformed in the image of his son. I, make, I always say this. I see people who have been here for a long time Like, I'm I'm picking on Alan and Lindsay today. Okay, it's Alan and Lindsey pick-on day. They look more like Jesus today than they did seven years ago because they're doing Jesus' work on the campus. Do you you feel me here? It's about conformity. We, We get caught up because if we don't feel comfort, we feel that God isn't there. And the whole goal, it has nothing to do with comfort. And I wish I can say it better than that. Now, he does comfort those who need comfort, but it's about conformity, looking more like Jesus every single day through the good and the bad. Because there's three things we all have to deal with, guys. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the power of God. And then you got to deal with what we call circumstance and affliction. Then God uses all those things, and he molds us, and he builds such an awesome masterpiece. Because on the other side of each and every one of your lives or your mission is someone else who has gone through or has gone going through something. You already been there. I don't want to fly an airplane that's never been tested. Joseph had to learn about temptation early when Papa's wife chased after him. He was a stud. (laughs) But it's good because God had to get that worked because as we see today, when people reach what they call their self-perceived destiny, they fall on that because it was never worked out in that. See, there's a prepping going on in your lives. You don't run from it, you run to it. See, it's not about comfort. It's about conformity. And that's why when he builds a masterpiece, he takes all those things, the good and the bad, and he makes them fantastic. And you can get on the other side of that and say, man, God, if you wouldn't have did that, I couldn't be effective for your kingdom. Because we, what we do in America, we show the pampering Jesus, petting the sheep. Like when, you, when you're trying to ride a bicycle and you have your training wheels. Pampering, your dad's pampering, come on, come on, come on. Then he takes the things off and he don't even know he's not, where is he? But one thing, to be pampered. But the other thing is what I call a perfecting love. It's a pampering love and it's a perfecting love because he's producing greatness. Like he said the Jewel, how you make diamonds, you have to crush to get the best. Olive oil, you got to crush to get the oil. Don't disdain the crushing. It's all part of the plan to have you do greater things. The greater your calling, the greater the crushing. I wish I could say I volunteer for every job. Hey, I'm ready for this. It's always been someone says, I see you doing this. Do you? Because I'd rather park cars. And I, my progression is this way. I leave it to God, but all I do is serve God, and he does all oh, the forming. You know, when I learned about patience is when I was an usher, and I asked someone, can y'all move in a little bit? And that lady stood up and said, young man, I'm not moving anything. And she was a born-again Christian. You tell them to walk around me. I'm like, <laughs> from New York. I said, pastor, that lady is crazy. He said, no, 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 Rich, she's just teaching you something. said what (laughs) your anger okay that's what it's about guys key thing with joseph and his story (laughs) and this is each and every one of you just don't recognize it because we get so caught up on the circumstances we missed everything i said about joseph the lord was with him and everything he did was successful because everyone saw that the Lord was with them. See, Crystal, the Lord See, Everyone sees the Lord is with you. And that's why you're successful. Guys, you've got to recognize the Lord is with you. And people will be successful. People are successful because we're there. And they recognize that. See, the Lord is with you through the storms. Don't ever lose track of looking for, trying to get out of a circumstance. Just fellowship with the Lord since he's with you. And one of the last scriptures I wanted to share with you, because I'm telling you, we can run all over the place to do things and look for someone to help us. But the only place you can go to is the master planner. And here's my challenge. The only way to know his plan is to know him. So when we read 29.11, we can try to read it disconnected from God. And say, oh, it's a plan, it's a party. Now, you want to enter in that plan? He's going to work some things out. Some of you, you know, you're looking for jobs. The reason why you haven't got that job yet, there's some stuff he needs to work out. They want servants. They want people who are going to serve, not get and have an attitude. Come on, somebody. Can I get real with you? Yes. And he got to work that out. And when you read this, and it's the children of Israel coming out of 70 years, for I know the plans. You can put your name there. Richie knew your plan. I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you, to give you a future And a hope. My future and my hope is covered. My past is marvelous. All I got to worry about today is my present. And let him take care of the future and the hope. But the only way you're going to find that out, not through another person. You don't find your identity in other people. You have to find it in God. If you have not recognized what's happening in America today, God is shaking everything that can't be sure. But the only thing that remains is his word. His he is the true rock. Everything you thought was there is become paper. If you're pursuing a career, pursue God and let him give you that career. Don't pursue the career, minus God. Because he's gonna tell you the way to go. Which seems like it's always like you're losing. But let me tell you something you're winning. I love Rocky movies. He says, what is Rocky doing? And he'll stand up. He's winning. Don't look like he's winning. And then Rocky turned around, and I don't care who it was. At the end of the movie, he knocked that guy out. And you feel like you're in a Rocky movie, like you're always getting hit. But let me tell you, it's by design to strengthen you, to develop you, to make you strong. We have to bust the bubble of Abilene's mentality. This is just how it always is. And we're not called to accept how things are. We're called to make things how they're supposed to be. That's what he does to us. Hardest challenge is a pastor to find the local folks and say, You can do this thing. Forget the heritage of your family, it formed you to get you ready for something greater. Our children are looking for us to do something greater because they all are born with a destiny. If we don't know who we are, they're not going to know who they are. Come on, somebody. You all have a destiny. But like one guy said, God pitches it, and you either let it drop or you catch it. The problem is not the pitching. The problem is catching it. It's easy to catch, because it'll help you catch it. If I didn't do that at age 30, I wouldn't be. I'd just be a statistic. Just another guy who's caught up in his environment, an African-American drug-addicted kid who grew up in the rough streets, never in the rough street in New York, that didn't make it, oh, so, so, so. That's not the end of anybody's story. The end of the story is I'm walking with Jesus Christ, with some marvelous people, people of Masterpiece, to do some great things here, here in Abilene, in this nation, and in the world. That's the end of the story. Because that which falls, he will pick you up if you pick him up. Every head bow. Every eye.